Hi, book club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 71, and our book is Krieg, a deathcore novel by Steve Lyons. It's split into two stories. One tells the history of the Krieg Rebellion, and the other tells about a siege in modern day 40k. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read this book, definitely check out the book and the questions, and then come back to this post as we're going to be talking about the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you like the book? I loved it. I liked the hell out of this book. It was fun it was it was a good time it was a really good time although as depressing as it is that may make us sound sad (laughs) or twisted but it was a good time yeah yeah um in the end with rennick when she's like oh i get it now and then yeah i just oh she like basically sacrifices herself i was like that was the most warhammer 40k ending she could have asked for I mean, I guess if you're going to go with, like, I saved everybody and maybe died a horrible death, but I was going to die an even worse death down the line. Pretty much. And I just, I liked, again, all the characters I thought had a pretty Warhammer 40k ending. Oh, yeah. That's what I didn't like. Looking directly at you, Interrogator Farron. You're a scene, sir. What part stood out to you? Uh, man, there was, there was quite a few parts that, that stood out to me. I mean, at the very, very beginning, when it just kind of gets into, like, the, you know, that the, the orcs are attacking, and apparently, like, a ship had fallen into a hive, and they were like, oh, it was an accident, and I love the fact that the governor was like, well, where the orcs were, where the orcs were concerned, it was often hard to tell the difference between accident or deliberate attack. I was like, you know what? That's legit. That was 100% legit ask you a weird question about the orcs hmm. because we've read Gosgul Thraka and because we read Brutal Cunnan and there was something else that we read with orcs in it like I have a hard time sometimes divorcing myself from those books and then so like in this when they describe the orcs like this mindless horde of guys I'm like dude they just want a good fight like why are you being dicks about this like I have to remember that they're terrifying and not your friend and they're not funny if you're the Imperium. Right. right. And I love them as I love them as a concept and as a race because in books their books funny as hell. Right. In the guard books not so funny. No, they're horrifying. They're I have a real disconnect though. Oh I I know, because like I do imagine some of them some of their conversations. Like, you know, like like when they kind of discover there's this hidden room, you know, with the weapons, you know, I could totally see him be like, well, of course we want them. Like, if you do like scuffling up top and he's yeah. like, okay, he's like, you uh, know, uh. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, if they, you know, if they didn't want us to take them, then they wouldn't have tried to hide them. You know, just I could right. totally, totally see. I could totally see that. But man, like probably one thing that really stood out to me, though was um Jerton's kind of reunion with Sabella and I don't mean at the party the whole 
Yurton and Sabella thing. At first I was like, are we going to have to care about this? Like, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about her when she was first revealed. But then, yes, their whole... It was an... In, a wild dog appears. Yes, a wild dog it did was, just appear. It's... It was an interesting dynamic, and I, I do remember, because, you know, at the life of the Imperial Guard, we talk about this a lot. Most of them, you leave your home world, and you're probably never going to see it again. So the fact that he got to come home, he got to see his daughter, that's more than a lot of 40k denizens get. Yeah, but think about how he came home. He wasn't going to. But then he got an offer he couldn't refuse. Pretty much. And that I is, mean, aren't, isn't that all offers from the Inquisition? Right. You know, and that's honestly one thing that probably hacked me off the most was that they kidnapped him because they believed that this, that the uh, chairman was going to turn against the emperor somehow. So they basically, you know, torture this guy until they realize, oh, he's telling the truth. Um. And then they send him there to find it out. He sends a message back that, yes, this is happening. War breaks out and they don't even come in to help. They don't even send in, you know, imperial troops to come in and quash this rebellion. Like, this is something that you'd bring the space marines into to stop this kind of rebellion. But no, they didn't do it. Well, but I think it also says, like... And I think it, it says so much about the Inquisition, right? Because we think your planet's going to rebel. Yes, it is going to rebel. Oh, I've I've moved on to something else now. That's I mean, cool, though. Thanks for checking. The way I took that as is like, huh, we were right. Okay, cool. You know what to do. We'll, we'll be in touch and then. Let us know if it goes super sideways. But, like, really, I think, too, I think the big thing was that they look for chaos corruption. This was just human corruption like this was just run of the mill i want to be like i want to keep and i want to secede from the union basically yes and so much of this book it was like in a good way it was in a good way frustrating in a good way because all of these people like the chairman yes he was a dick and he just wanted to have all this power but i did like how he sold it to his people where he's like we shouldn't have to send our children off to die in these countless nameless wars mm. for a guy that we're not even sure really exists on a throne in terra like, you could kind of see that he was like, yes, this is partially for my own ego, but I'm also doing this for my people. There was a lot of best intentions kind of stuff in this book, I thought. Um, but yeah, it felt like that with the Inquisition, that they're just like, oh, good, good. But there's no chaos, so um, good luck. Godspeed. And when you think about it, like, the Imperium in general, they have so many wars on so many fronts. Like, I'm sorry. You thought your planet warranted help? I mean, I assume that they... But the planet's only export was what? People? Isn't that what they need? Because people are so expendable? I mean, no, it's not... Of course, if it was an agro-world, it'd be totally different. Because they need that bread, yo. Or if it was... A manufactorum. A held word? Yeah. yeah. I mean... If basically, yeah, if you had one of those resources where we would be like, oh, that is not very easily replaceable, but people are, I mean, what is the, what does the intro always say? To be a man is to be one of untold billions. billions yeah. Like, oh, you're going to lose your supply of people. Okay, we'll get them somewhere else. Like, it's, 
it's a cold, harsh universe. And that was a that was a very that was actually one of the parts that I was going to mention that stood out to you is that it's that's sorry. I felt like um, we actually just went and watched The Godfather 50th anniversary. So we went and we saw it on the big screen because it's my favorite movie. And uh, they, <laughs> there's that scene when he goes to kill the guy at the restaurant, right? They set up the gun behind the toilet. And at one point, James Conn is like, you make sure somebody does somebody good does that because I don't want my brother coming out of there with his dick in his hands. I feel like that's what happened to poor Yurton. Right. They set him up. They were going to provide support. And then, no. Sorry. You just got your dick in your hands. In your planet good luck not nice i guess is what i'm saying oh no that's just the inquisition for you pretty much what did you think of the krieg in general both well let's start with the current as a force do you like them do you find them interesting i find them sad expand well just that I mean, in so many ways, they're like the perfect Imperial soldiers. Because they just... I think that makes them happy is to die in the name of the Emperor. I mean, that's pretty much what Terra wants. Is people that are just willing just to kind of throw themselves into things. You know, and, you know, they've been genetically, like a better word, bred to deal with like the harshest conditions. Uh, survive nuclear winter for example uh you know my man's like which would last longer a cockroach or a krieg <laughs> in right. nuclear winter um i don't know it's like because my first introduction to the krieg has always been with memes and i just knew that they always wore these gas 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 masks and like to dig dig holes so it's like all i knew about them because like you know the happy shovel noises and things like that and learning that that where that comes from is like you know seriously like we were joking about you know only in the warhammer 40k this is actually a gen quote i'm not going to steal it from her only in the warhammer 40k universe can you have world war one trench warfare versus soccer hooligans and that's you know one 100 true i'm actually oddly fascinated with world war one uh, more than World War Two, I, mean, I think I always think that World War Two is like like the glamour World War if there right. if there is one. Um, but there's so much about World War One I, I find fascinating, and the trench warfare thing is probably my favorite thing about the Wonder Woman movie was showing the trench warfare because that was awful, awful warfare. Um, yeah, like and I don't know if you ever played the video game of Valiant Hearts. It was a Ubisoft indie game. Oh my gosh! But basically, you are a it's it's a um, it's a two D game where you're basically a, a a trench digger, and it's like things that you do to kind of go through the trench. And you're in France, and it's like the whole thing is like so incredibly sad. Like at the end, like I am ugly crying, and even my friend Chris was just like. Someone dumped onions in my house. Like, I don't know why I'm crying so hard. Like, yeah, it was just awful. Because then he gets to, like, the mustard gas and really what the trench warfare was like. And um, so it makes me, it breaks my heart that I have these people who are willing just to throw themselves, you know, into the fire to prove their mm -hmm. worth to the emperor. And then this is how they fight with mustard gas and, and trenches. It's just... And horses, I, horses for damn, 
fuck's sake. I had, Although, to, I had to look this up really quickly. So for me, my World War One thing that has me somewhat fascinated, there's this movie from like, I want to say it's like 2002. I just had to look up the title really quickly. It's called Gods and Monsters. Mm. And it tells the story of James Whale, who was the director of the original Frankenstein movie from the 30s. And he was an odd bird because he was basically shell-shocked from World War One, And so in... And it's he was a homosexual at the time in Hollywood when you were not supposed to be a homosexual. So there's a little bit of that going on, too. So he had, like, a bunch of stuff that he was dealing with. But they would flash back to scenes of the trench warfare, kind of like they did in Boardwalk Empire, too, actually, now that I think about it with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. And they captured that a little bit in here. Like, when they talked about sitting in the trenches and then seeing the Bane blades, which are the size bigger than your house. Right going over them i was just like i get so claustrophobic with world war one stuff but i love it i mean just you think about like you can't even like pop your head up to even see because that's just you know and i um i know you watched some of um downton abbey but you know the second season of it takes place during world war one and they're one of their um wasn't a butler he was like a footman I don't remember exactly the terminology but he was saying kind of the same thing like he was gay and he was closeted heavily closeted and he went over to the war to become something and he could not hack it so what did he do to get out of it he held a cigarette lighter and held his hand up above the trench and his hand got shot and then he was able to go home but that is like you know that's just a small glimpse but that's just like how how it was you could not pop your head up you could not look over the edge of the trench and um so it's it's fascinating it's fascinating and yet it's tragic at the same at the same time just the concept of how they were able to do this war and even you know i think people people like think of world war ii as like this big you fancy thing because there was like this big ending to it right hitler kills himself u.s drops atomic bombs on japan it's over world war one they just stopped fighting because they're like we're actually getting nowhere in this trench warfare and we're just tired so can we can we talk now like we cool like just peace just for well, a little bit they also have one of my favorite stories of all time from a warfare it comes from world war one it's when they had christmas right when the germans and the germans and i think it was the british and the french they all came out and had a christmas party basically and then went yeah. right back to fighting yeah, it's an insane story, but it's such a cool time period. So I'm I'm also very sympathetic to like I love the fact that the Creek, as you said, a cavalry charge. It is the 41st millennium, and there's a cavalry charge against bioweapons engineered by ancient space gods to deal with Terminators. Yeah, I mean, we're for 40k, y'all. I mean, I just love that that one guy on his horse, horse. Took down an orc on a bike. I actually laughed really, really hard about that. I did too, but it was also like, oh my god. Like that happened. Because that orc is probably like, whoa, what? Well, you can totally imagine it from his perspective. Like the orc's perspective. Yeah. Of, what? (laughs) What the hell is this animal? And I think a lot of the, I don't know if this is official art or just fan art, but a lot of the art of their horses, obviously they have the masks over their face match their riders but they a lot of them have cloven feet which i'm like that's just amazing <laughs> how y'all breeding these horses i have questions uh i don't think that they are 
think they're coming from the same. Do. I think the they're coming from the same stock that the Krieg people are. They might be. Mm-hmm. But I found them interesting, and I really did like because you're right. The memes of the Krieg, I think, have gotten so over the top, which is why they're funny about how suicidal they are and how like happy shovel noises and. Uh, there's a scene early on where they all break out and they just start shoveling. I giggled. My, hu- my husband and I were giggling about it because we were like, happy shovel noises. Um, but they've become such an exaggeration that I liked this. Like, especially when Rennick gives her basic post-mortem when she's like, they're not reckless. They're just fearless. They have nothing to lose. They're probably going to die a short life anyways because of their home world. Like, you know, and there was just- a one great line from... Jonas right before he was executed and it he said um he's like when he realized he had no hope he realized something else he had nothing to fear either and it's like that is such a chilling thing and I think that's how these Krieg feel they feel like there is no hope for themselves so they got nothing to fear exactly and that's like there was a scene early on when they're fighting the orc in the trench and the orc goes to like pull I think it was a stick bomb out Mm. and the Kree guy just jumps on top of him and everybody else stabs him to death and of course she's like Rennick is like what just happened that's the Krieg mentality right it's like okay so it's not necessarily that they're crazy and suicidal it's more that they make the calculation okay I'm gonna die but that'll enable all of my people to kill this thing right it's I'm not necessarily saying that I condone that mentality, but it was a very interesting look at them. Um, I like them. I really do like them. And I think I feel like I understand them a little better now. Mm-hmm. We'll get there in a second. I have I had another point I was going to make, but we'll get there in a second. Because let's really quickly, let's divert from the Krieg and talk about Rennick because I've mentioned her a lot. Did you like her? Were you invested in her story? I wasn't invested in her story at all, really. Because um, to me, in so many ways, it's like, oh, here's another Cadian who's like, got her panties in a twist because someone could be tougher than Cadians. Oh my gosh. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Planet gone. Well, their planet's kind of gone too. So like, you can just like slow your roll a little bit. Um, their planet's been gone for longer. Uh until like the end like when you know she's dying and has nothing to lose when she has her big revelation that's like when it came together for me but before then it was like as typical whiny Cadian. hey I'm, I'm very similar to you actually the scene that just i was like Ugh, god i hope you die was somewhere in the beginning when the when they're taking the hive back and the krieg charge and she's like screw it we're going in because those guys aren't going to out tough the Cadians right. they are not going to out brave us and she charges in and then immediately is like I've made a terrible mistake but I was like you just got especially when she's coming back and she's like oh like I've got like four of my dudes with me your guys planet because they talk about this earlier right your planet is gone the Cadian people you could kind of, I guess, breed amongst yourselves to make more Cadians, but kind of to reference back to and this book kind of kills me inside, but that uh, that um, wolf time, mm-hmm. to reference back to wolf time, you might be of Cadian blood, but you're not 
Cadian. Right. There will be no more Cadians. You are now a finite resource. So the fact that she got so many of her people killed just so that she could out-tough the Krieg definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, yeah. And you're right. She was a little pouty. She was a little petulant because I think the Cadians, kind of like the Fenrisians, kind of like... If, because we don't really see that from the Krieg. I was about to say kind of like the Krieg. But anybody from a death world, they seem to have a chip on their shoulder. Right. Oh, we're just better than you. It's nothing personal. Like. I mean, like, but at the, like, look at the Dark Angels. I mean, the originals are like, we came, you know, from a world of beasts. Like, we know how to fight. Well, I was going to say, even the Blood Angels a little bit, right? Like, oh. Oh, right. Because the trials have to go through through Ball because it's. You know, they have water that will kill you. You know, things, just little things. Exactly. Exactly. They all have this kind of chip on their shoulder of, oh, (laughs) you're just not like one of us. And especially the Cadians. And, I mean, I'm not saying that the Cadians are bad or that I I hate all the Cadians. But we get presented with a lot of them that are, and this girl definitely was until the end. And I did, that was such a great redemption arc for her. Because I was just kind of like, why are you still alive? And then when she kind of when she started talking about that, oh, oh, mm-hmm. it was a really good. I I wouldn't say I was invested in her story up until that point, and then I was like, oh, I'm so glad I got to follow your story. Yeah, yeah, about the same. Redemption arc. So, something very interesting about the narrative structure of this book. It is called Krieg. Not a single chapter. From in the current times is told from a Krieg's point of view. Oh, it's like, well, it's like uh, excuse me, they were all the past was all a lot from uh, Jurton or Jonas or uh, crap, there was one other. I can't, well, the um, Ionis, the chairman, Yurton, and the chairman, that's uh, what I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, and, and Kraus, yeah. You get a little bit from Kraus's point of view, yeah. They yeah um so those all are but the current times not a single chapter but i think that was like on purpose did that work for you as it did it did because um because again i knew nothing about the creed so finding out that there are clones was like a big reveal to me and i think that if you had something from their point of view it would have spoiled it i think you're right and i think so at the very end, when Van Bruin, Van Bruin is thinking and he's like, look, this is now my life's mission to make sure that the Krieg's secrets stay with the Krieg. I think kind of what Steve Lyons was saying is that the modern Krieg are kind of unknowable because, mm-hmm. yeah, they might all be clones and they are so indoctrinated and bred for war. Like, and when Van Bruin, as you said, when Van Bruin talks about, because I think it's his direct line when he's like, these people are the logical conclusion of our current state of the Imperium. Like, mm-hmm. this is the refined black tar Imperium soldiers. I mean, all you do. They were 40k stormtroopers in many, many ways. Basically, yes. And I think that's kind of what he's saying is he's like, yeah, the modern guys, you can't really know them. They're not knowable. They have no personality, really. Their whole drive is to win. Like, even the colonel. <laughs> who calls himself Yurton. Well, the funny but, thing is, is that I realized, like, at the end, is that you don't know the names of any of these people. 
Like, they no. don't even, like, even the colonel just was going, he was just known as the colonel. You never knew that he went by Jurton. And I kind of like that you didn't know that because then it would have made, like, the, the past stuff, I would have been very, very confused. Um, very much so. Well, the guy who meets the first Inquisitor, he's the one who calls himself Jurton. The colonel in the current times, he doesn't call himself anything. But none but of them right. do. Because and like, I loved that yeah. when she asks his name. And he's like, I don't understand the question. And then finally comes back with Yurton. Like, is that right. the only name that they, like, is that, oh, oh, right. I have to, I have to go through this. I have to go through this ritual with you of giving you some sort of a name. But you're right. You never get a single name. And it, remember, they did say that on their dog tags, it was mostly just numbers. Mm -hmm. This is That's the, this is the vat easy. number. <laughs> this is the clone bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Colonel Yurton. Was he a good leader? Yes. Was he right? It's hard to say anybody's right. Ooh, it it really is hard to say, say it, that anybody's right. Um, but I'm going to have to say yes. From a 40k perspective? Yes. I think so, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think from a 40k perspective, all of what he's doing makes sense. You do not rebel against the Emperor. And to be fair, if he didn't, if they just left, acted like nothing had happened, they're like, we're just taking our people and we are leaving and leaving you guys to your fate. It would not have gone well. The planet would have been destroyed. <laughs> Either by space marines or exterminatus. Who knows? But it, the fate was sealed as soon as the chairman was like oh like we don't need need this emperor and you know we need to be giving our people and it's like you just don't want to it's not just the people that's not the tithe thing that bothers you it's the money that you have to donate as well it's just taxes are a part of life but you want those taxes from the citizens for yourself so that you can because i mean how could you not remain as fat and disgusting as you are i so there were three leaders in the past right you had kraus you had the chairman and you had yurton and the kraus and the chairman kraus and the chairman were not on the same page oh no oh no and let me ask you this really quick when he so sent after the sabella dead, they, they sent sabella to assassinate the wrong person yes if I had to point to one mistake Yurton made, mm -hmm. it was killing the chairman. That guy was callow and just repugnant. And he was not, yeah, callow is the best word I can think of him, right? He is not a strong person. He is a coward. He's not, like, if they would have killed Kraus, like, the second that they threatened, if they were, all they would have had to do is be like, we gonna drop some bombs on your hive, and the chairman. No, 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 no. I'm done. This is no longer fun. Right, right. Oh yeah, you killed the wrong person because Kraus is like, oh, thank God. Like, you <laughs> now, got rid of that asshole. I mean, now I'm no longer inhibited. I can do what now I've always wanted to do. Yep. So I know I said that there was no chaos corruption, but there's that conversation between Kraus and Yurton. Where he talks about, like, the corpse emperor. And then he kind of says, he's like, there are other voices we could be listening to. We were like, oh, no. 
Am I the only one who thought he was maybe a little chaosy? Like he was maybe tiptoeing that way? Totally missed that. So, uh, I mean, if that's true, then I mean, I I mean, other voices sound so zinchy. It it do. There, oh, I don't know if I marked that or not, but it's yeah. He and Kraus are talking, and Kraus is just like, we don't have to be doing this. Like we could be listening to other people. Could you? Like, ugh. But I always talk about how, like, with a lot of the successor chapters in particular, like, let's take the Flesh Terrors, for example. You can see how an entire chapter was shaped by one dude. One dude who had an extreme ideology, even kind of the Ultramarines to a certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't start out crazy fanboys of Spacebook. But you could see how, like, one guy was like, no, no, no. We're following this to the letter. And then his successor was like, oh, we're following this to the letter. And like the flesh terrors, you get one guy who's like, you know what? Let's just be brutal. And then all of his successors, same things. We're all going to be this brutal legion. You see how it all gets shaped by it. This was like to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Really, when you think about it, a whole planet dead and one, one guy one guy like I don't yeah. even know what to say Ugh. there's really not much much to say I mean is that a good thing or a bad thing I don't know do you agree I don't, so his whole don't know if it was totally one guy I I, I you know this is probably one of the first uh, um, Adeptus Mechanicus that I didn't hate I did like Greel I think Greel really cared about Jerton. I think Greel really did care about the planet, but I also think he was manipulating him in his own way. At least felt that way. At least at the very least he was planting ideas. I don't know. I don't know if Greel was playing, if it was more like a mad scientist thing where he's like, dark age of technology, ooh. Well, that, <laughs> does. that I believe is like, there are things down here that I want to open because it's a dark age of technology, but that's forbidden. Can I just like look at it? <laughs> you know, Do you remember that Ren and Stimpy episode with the button? Yes. Yes. What happens if you press it? That's just it. Nobody knows. Maybe something good. Maybe something bad. <laughs> but I just think of the guy like over him. Can he resist the temptation? <laughs> I felt like that with Greel. Like the whole time. Okay. So oh my god. You can't say this like, about any Mechanicus who's just like forbidden technology. Oh, oh, oh. You got me there. But like wh- I can't decide if it was that. If it was a little like mad scientist Or if it was just very mechanicus Like, he has done the math in his head, and okay, so we'll torch this entire planet, but we'll have enough people underneath the surface. We should be able to live. We can start cloning people. We'll have an army. Like, I can't tell if he basically did some hardcore cold mathematics in his brain. Why not both? You got me there. You know, and the thing is, is that what's so crazy is that, um, Jerton may not have pressed that button when he did if Kraus hadn't decided to 
you know, kind of air raid uh, uh, the Feast of the Emperor's Ascension. So that right. was kind of like a final straw. Like he mm-hmm. he only wanted to do it if he thought there was like no no other way. Right. And um, you know, unfortunately, Jonas handled it the wrong way. And trying to get him to to see reason. It was very unfortunate. I actually was very sad when he killed Jonas. And yes, listeners, I know his name is spelled Ionis, but I'm too much of a Latin major and the I is J, so I can't help it. It's Jonas to me. It's Greek. It's Greek. It should be Ionis, right? Well, the I in Latin is pronounced like a J, so it's Right, but it's a Greek name, right? I don't care. That's just, that's that's where my okay. mind goes. It, it, right. It's Jonas. That's fair. So, um, so I'm just throwing it out there because I can see people like, she's just pronouncing okay. it funny. This is not okay. a Jacquees moment, okay? <laughs> you things are the Jacquees moment. Uh, for people who don't know, there was a Crime Junkie podcast. These two are just good old Indiana girls. Uh, they were talking about a man from Fran- from Canada, French Canada. Mm-hmm. Whose name was, uh, oh, now I'm going to have to figure out if I can spell this off the top of my head. J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Jacques. Jacques. But these two adorable, pretty Indiana girls were calling him Jacquees. They got a lot of comments on that. I mean, at Anyways. the very least, they could have, like, tried to French it up and make it, like, Jacque at the very least. It's like, Jacque. <laughs> Jackie. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, it's not a Jacquees moment. It's all good. I mean, but, it, not too far from that. Anyway. But along those lines, because you mentioned that, did you understand, Jonas? Like, did you understand by the end of there where he's like, what's going on? Yeah. No, I mean, I was, I really liked Jonas, like, a whole, a whole lot. And I thought he was yeah. kind of, like, he was a nice little voice of reason when Jerton would just get mm-hmm. so, like, you know, right focused um and I th- but I think that Jonas could have handled that better I understand why he went and talked to other people but they should have had a plan and not just like freak out and we're just going to relieve him of command no let's let, let's talk like let's let's talk I was as soon as they tried to relieve, so disappointed. As soon as they tried to relieve him of, of command, um, well, yeah, that mystery caller from Kraus. I thought one of the, I was like, this is either Greel or Jonas, because I, I knew it, I knew it was Jonas. I was like, there's just, and that's just because, no like, with I could just see Deptus Mechanicus. Like, if things aren't going the way that he wants them to go, I could totally see him just, you know, flipping it on a dime, but. When it got to um, questioning his emperor's faith and the person on the other end got mad, I was like, okay, that's definitely Jonas there. So I'm very sad that he decided to do that. I mean, sadder that he decided to bring other people involved and relieve him of duty. Because even though Jerton's like, okay, you know what? Fine. He stood down. I was like, no, no, he's not. Something's, something bad is about to happen. And it's just very unfortunate should have not gone his way and i think jerton lost his cool too he should have also been been willing to talk i i would have liked to have seen had he and kraus been able to even talk right i did like i liked the idea that Jonas basically did the math 
he did the math and he's like, there's no way we're winning this. This offer was on the table. Now fool on you for trusting Kraus. Like, really? You don't think he's just going to kill you all after you bring him Yurton? Seriously? Right, right. But he was also desperate, right? Because he's, again, he's doing the human math. And he's not liking what he's coming up with. I was very disappointed in that. But I was really sad to see him die. I really was. And mm-hmm. I kind of also, like, I wanted to tell Yurton. Because Yurton, getting desperate, listening to Greel, right, knows that he has this horrific contingency plan cuts out everyone in his life you know what it actually reminded me a lot of was the lion you have all of these people who are close to you and trust you and you're just pushing them out and pushing them away with no explanation other than "Eh, just trust me well but i'm also listening to this guy over here but jerton his wasn't just trust me his was i'm taking the entire burden of these horrible choices on itself and then one hand that's very honorable but on the other hand, it's like, dude, but it's not just about you. Isn't. And I and I don't think for one minute he was that egotistical and thinking it was just about him. But that doesn't mean that no. it wasn't at the same time. Right. I would agree with that. Um, <sighs> yes, I go back and forth on it because. Yes, it's a little selfish. But it is also kind of thinking of the bigger picture, especially it would have been really funny had they launched them and it just turned out they were like Patriot missiles. Or like, you know, from uh, The Rock, (laughs) the chips were malfunctioned and so they just kind of. Yeah, or like, do you remember in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with the the party ship when they go to look for the weapons and there's the, yeah, like how did. Dark Age of Technology, dude, it could go either way. It'd be something serious? Something funny. Like, you don't know. So, it was kind of... I guess it just talks about how little information they had about what they were doing and what they were futzing with. That's the reason why it's the Dark Dark Age of Technology, you know? Yeah. I mean, that is the darkest of the dark. I mean, we're still in that era of this technology, so... We're not quite to the Dark Age, but we're getting there. No, but I mean, like, those weapons. Oh. That's us. I mean, that's... Like, we talk about World War I. That's World War II-era weapons, and they decided just to go drop. Not the ones they drop on... Not the ones that Yurton launches and the ones that they find on the new planet. They were atomic bombs. They even talk about the atomic blasts. Yes, but they were so much worse than that with the... Because it created those storms. Because my first thought is I was like... If these end up just being nukes, I'm going to be pissed because the Imperium uses nukes all the time. So, like, if they're just like, they're nukes, the powerful. <laughs> I was going to be so bummed. But when they talked about the storm coming in and basically that, like, literal acid rain, not the acid rain we talked about in the 80s, like, literal acid rain, right? Right. This is awful, horrible. What did you think of this as a MacGuffin reveal? Because at this point, the way that they lead up to the weapons, both in the current times and in the past times, they basically play out the role of a magical MacGuffin, right? What did you think of them? Were they as scary and concerning as everybody thought? Well, yes, I think any atomic weapon is as scary as as anybody thought. And to me, it was almost kind of very amusing that even in the grimdark future, these are pretty awful 
awful weapons. And when an atomic bomb is dropped, um, there is that acid rain, but not to this, not to this, this level. Like, it but felt like they what, took what we currently have, right? And they just cranked it up to eleven. Uh, but <laughs> took it to eleven. But what really struck me, because I had a feeling I knew what, what these were, because the way that they were saying is pretty obvious. But when Rennick, she sees the shadows, like, just embalmed, or whatever, I can't even think of the word right now, onto the walls, it's like, yeah. Um, that was one of the creepiest things I've ever seen from when we dropped the bombs in Japan. And my first time going to Japan, I actually made a big deal that I wanted to go to Hiroshima. I just wanted to see it. And I have to say, the fact that there are still trees that you can see shadows on... It's disturbing. Um, it's both cool and disturbing, like at the same time. Um, it's it's incredible the amount of devastation that that launches, and so for something like that to still be so incredibly scary in the grimdark future when we have the exterminatus, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, ideally, ideally, mm-hmm. when the exterminatus goes off, you're on a ship up in atmosphere and you're just kind of looking down like oh that looks bad like oh look at all not... that virus destroying all life <laughs> oops that sucked mm-hmm. um but the idea that these are so much worse and these are being i mean they deployed these on the population of krieg as they said like there are it like, yes there are people who are definitely supporting this guy but it's actually kind of the clerk's argument about uh, Return of the Jedi, when he's talking about how he's like, they had to build it so quickly. You're bringing in contractors who just want to make a buck. They're not necessarily on board with the Emperor. Same thing, right? Like, I forgot you've about got that. People... <laughs> <laughs> so, I know that had to have been an argument that Kevin Smith has actually had with somebody. <laughs> you've had that, that argument? argument with people. That's funny. The first time I saw Clerks, I was like, <laughs> oh my god! I'm not alone! <laughs> it's like when somebody else, when you like, I imagine if you're into a conspiracy theory and you find somebody else who's into it, and you're like, oh, do we just become best friends? I love clerks for a variety of reasons, mostly because Navy SEALs! Anyways, um. I just love 37! 37! In a row! Um, <laughs> at once? Um. The. But that same argument, right? Like, there are people in those hives who, they're poor, they're running a stall or whatever. They can't leave the hive. It doesn't really matter. One of the arguments that Red Letter Media once made about why he hated the prequels for Star Wars is he's like, look, especially because he's talking about the extended cut of the original trilogy versus the prequels. He's like, when they show Alderaan after the death of the Emperor, it looks identical to, not Alderaan, sorry, um, Coruscant. And they show mm. Coruscant at the end of Jedi with the death of the Emperor and they're overturning the statues and stuff like that in the extended cuts. Oh, and then God, you go I back forgot and you about the, that. I, and you I, look back yeah. at the prequels, he's like, this is the identical city. He's like, so for the average Star Warsian universe, Star Wars universe citizen, nothing changed really for you. If you were in Coruscant... You didn't really notice, according to this. Like, he's like, the, we now have, like, video evidence that nothing really changed for these people. And it's kind of the same way for the Krieg. It's especially those people in those hives. Like, okay, we're 
we worship the emperor we don't worship the emperor my daily life does not change i'm i got a job that i do i'm trying to feed my family mm -hmm. like you murdered all of those people in a horrific way not the most horrific way that's still being eaten by the flayer necrons because it's so ignoble and insulting <laughs> but like it's such a horrible death for people who are just trying to feed their family yeah and i have to say because they were like oh these weapons oh these weapons if it was just nukes like just like regular like what we have today i would have been like really I mean, no. but those are pretty bad, though. They are still bad, but these were like, oh, that's horrible. And the thing that I really liked about it was that because I think um, was it mm, one of our reader, one of our listeners? I think it was Paul. I think it was Paul Goodwin said that on YouTube. He was like, I feel like every book right yeah, now I is was, trying. To I was thinking of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on. That's what he said. I was going to say is that because what he said was he was like, I feel like every book is just like adding something to the lore. So the last book that we read, the book People's Skull, he's like, this basically laid out rocks for you, how they work, what they are, what they're like and how they're far, how they're ranched. Yeah, you ranch farmed. Animals, you I'll farm, say farm. You farm food. They um, are food. They're farmed. They are food. <laughs> you got me there. Anyways, this book, I felt like I felt like other than the whole Krieg thing, I felt like it's little lore candy. It's little lore nugget that it mm -hmm. slipped in was that. BT dubs. There's like dark age of technology caches everywhere. You could find this shit anywhere. Like this was not a special planet, right? This was just a random planet. And mm -hmm. oh yeah, by the way, dark age of technology tech just well, hiding under there. So remember um, Reboot's Primark novel. Yes, I do. Go ahead. Also, that was the big thing was yeah. the orcs had found their cache dark age of technology and the whole time reboot is like we want us to savor the culture of this planet and we gotta remove the orcs and we gotta and then when mm -hmm. he sees why the planet is barren it's because they use these weapons on one another he was like forget it raise it all to the ground uh because even yeah. he knew this is bad this, this is, is bad. terrible we need to get rid of all of this yes God, could you imagine if the orcs actually did like get a cache of them and just took them out places like what does this do well and the funny thing about the orcs is that i feel like they could have really tested so all orc technology works because they believe it works right, right? Mm -hmm. i think they really could have tested the limits of that once they have dark age of technology shit to play with right really going to test the limits of that one and no you do not want them to have these weapons because I'm sure for a second, like I can, and you can imagine this from the orcs perspective when that thing went off, I bet a bunch of them were like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the humans are like, oh God, no. And the orcs are like, oh, yes. <laughs> like for like two seconds before they were vaporized. It makes me wonder like how much of that radiation would affect these mushroom people. No idea. Hmm. Like given their nature, does radiation affect them? I don't even know. I'm sure there's a story out there somewhere. Skywatcher Adept, you have been summoned. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, speaking of that, though, because the whole idea 
Evin Bruin's purpose, right, is that he needs to find this cache because he knows this cache exists. Which just honestly seems a weird thing for a Ordos Hereticus to be looking for, but continue. To my question, did you understand his mission purpose? No, nope. like slash purpose. Did it make sense to you? Nope. Me either. Was it a guise? Like, was he like, I kind of want to check out these Krieg things and the Imperial. All I see is your dog's tail, just like a flag. It's oh, amazing. there she is. Mm-hmm. And there went her dad. Um, with her wiggle butt. Mm-hmm. Her wiggle pity butt. Um, they, like, was that, it was, did the planetary governor reach out and was like, by the way, we think we have this, like, cache of Dark Age of Technology stuff. And he's like, perfect excuse. Gotta get down there. But it did seem to be his mean driving function well the, you know, the so the other path. thing is is that you notice that they never once said what his mission was which i'm pretty sure was on True. purpose and it wasn't just because Ooh, we're doing inquisitorial shit it was i think that was on purpose and it makes you talked about like torturing the planetary governor to get this secret but then the planetary governor was not was fine it was a woman oh that was just, that was the woman was the was the successor the, was the successor yeah, yeah but like she didn't i guess what i was saying is like she didn't seem to like she seemed fine like she didn't seem to i don't think she knew what was going on down no, there and why she he didn't. was down there no but he essentially tortured this guy to find this cash question mark i didn't really understand what he was doing there i liked van bruin he was i did but that's just but that's actually a likable order hereticus who knew but that's not what the Hereticus does. No. I. So this is like the second or third book so we've it would, read where there's. It, it would make more sense to me. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, go, go, go. Please, please. If it was Ordos Xenos. Would have made. Ordo Xenos would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Ordo even. I mean. I don't know if Malleus would. No, Malleus Xenos. You know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say I almost don't think the Inquisition needed to be involved in this one. Her, her, I guess Heretica? No, because no. Hereticus you're talking about. Like, if anything, it almost feels like it should have been more like a tech priest coming down, like a Magos coming down to be like, oh, yes, Dark Age of Technology. I can also see the Inquisition not trusting. True. The Magos. Valid. Valid. But... I, I liked him. He was actually one of the first witch hunter characters we've been presented that I liked. Because I feel like, so I was going to say, is like, I feel like we've read like two or three stories. You liked, the, uh, what's his face? From Vaults of Terra? He's Hereticus. So I like him too. Um, but I feel like we've read a few stories where it's like, there's an Ordo Hereticus Inquisitor that who's either like fire and brims. Obviously, the Vaults of Terra being an exception, but who's fire and brimstone and trying to kill living saints. My, my Ephriel Stern is right here. Um, like, they're trying to kill the saints because he doesn't. They don't trust them. Well, like Celestine. I mean, there was that Celestine. one. There was that one. Or they don't really know how to apply them appropriately. Like this guy. Like, why? Okay, there's a dark age of technology, but why is the Hereticus after that? You're a witch hunter. You're dominant thing is that you hunt wait for it witches psychers like, the only thing i can think of is that maybe he didn't know exactly what the weapons were he knew there were some ancient weapons but he didn't know exactly what they were and so it sounded like his 
purpose was not to get rid of them, but to find out what they were and report back. That's kind of what I saw, but it was still just... Make sure it's not a... It's not warp stuff. Maybe. Because there is there are a lot of Dark Age. There was a really it's actually not very good. It was a comic book that came out years ago, published by Black Library by Dan Abnett, and they come across this Dark Age of Technology thing that basically what it did was it took a blunter and they locked the blunter in it and it magnified the blunter's power. Mm. It was actually a chaos warband that was trying to do it so they could fight the Thousand Sons. Which in the Ordo Hereticus showed up and put a stop to that um, because it's bad in general. But I was like, proceed, like let them play. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this plays out. Seems legit to um, me. I mean, like, so maybe, yeah, maybe they thought it was something warp related or something like that. But maybe I don't know it how just, I felt about it. It was, um, it was a to me, it was a weird excuse. It fit, but it was just weird to have this Inquisitor there who would eventually, you know, help them find these weapons, and that's what they're going to use to get rid of the orcs. But also an Inquisitor to under that understands the Krieg and is very respectful of them, whereas his interrogator was not. What did you think of Farron? I did not like him. I would. Um, he should have listened to his teacher. A little bit more about the creek, but no. I mean, it's that typical thing we see so much about, like, I know better than you, and I'm just on my quest for knowledge to find out things. So, and the weird thing is, is that I even like double checked uh, last night, and uh, with the book, with uh, you know, so I was like, okay, so last time we saw Farron, he got them to take off their gas masks, and I guess prove that they're all at least this group is either clones or quadruplets take your pick uh and then the next time we see him he gets killed so it's like i, I almost kind of wanted because it talks about how the creek just kind of melted away it's like did they do that on purpose but i don't think they would i don't think they would either it's just but i don't no so but let's it was a good thing to me that he did go because he said that he was going to, that, that that's what he now knew he was going to do. He was going to dedicate his life's purpose to like figuring out everything about the Krieg. I'm like, they're not witches. I don't know no. what you're doing. I think because they constantly keep their mask hidden or their face hidden through that mask and because they're from this world that basically nobody heard from for a really long time, mm -hmm. they were busy. 1500 years. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like, the last time they heard from them, we're seceding from the Union, and then the next time they hear from them, we are your most loyal soldiers ever. Right. I have questions. Um, and I think, as they said, like, like when they were talking with the Commissar, and the Commissar's like, really, if anything, I have to kind of rein them back a little bit. Um, they're weird. So I think, like, from an Ordo Hereticus interrogator's point of view, you're either dealing with, you're from an irradiated planet where a woman stepped foot on your planet a woman who has the full wealth and resources of an inquisitor and she died like a few years later because your planet is so irradiated oh and like so are you all mutants are you but, all mutants under there right i just thought it was so funny because like you know she died and they're like she wasn't krieg <laughs> like, just I loved that when they're like uh she died and he's like she wasn't krieg i hadn't thought of it that way but thank you like they were so um, 
they were so There was something just so matter-of-fact about them and almost automaton about them. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they were like, okay, they're either all mutants or they're all they're all mutants. They're all... I don't know, what would you call them? AI, maybe? Are they all just like literal programmed bots? Or cloning. So one of the rumors about the Krieg for a long time has been that they're clones. And maybe it's been confirmed. I just thought it was a rumor. What is their secret? Are they clones? Are they mutants? I'm going to say they're not mutants because they hate the mutants so much. Because they even they talk, they talk about if there's any mutants, like, they get rid of them, like, quickly. So, like, but, like, are there faces, maybe? Like, are, like, is everything off asymmetrical because they're... I think they hide their faces because, well, one, they're on a terrible planet. Two... I think they hide them because they're all clones, so they all look alike. And they probably know on some level we shouldn't be, we shouldn't look like the same person. Well, and maybe, I think also their identity doesn't matter. There's, there's like, that too. You don't need to see my face because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Really. It's like, you know, the stormtroopers, like think about in the original Star Wars trilogy. Like none of them had names. They had numbers. True. True, very much so. And they were, but they were all clones of one dude, which can't even talk about. Why? He's a good looking guy. He actually, Tim Miller Morrison was. I was super happy. Um, I was super happy to see him in The Mandalorian because, and obviously Book of Boba Fett, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you deserved a little bit better. Um, I get that. Does that, like, does this become a thing? Because Van Bruin says, he's like, look, my sole purpose now is to make sure that nobody finds out this secret. I think of it as, a, I don't know if cloning, you know, I don't know the rules of the 40K. They change so much. I mean, is 40, is, I think is cloning, cloning is like, bad. I think it's as repugnant as it is now. Hmm. Like the idea of, it opens a lot of problems for one thing, but also the idea that, Yeah. There's just a lot there with cloning that. And I think it also probably falls under forbidden technology. It so, could be. I mean, this did happen 1500 years ago. With- and think about how people don't trust the Primaris because they come from Mars. Clones are coming from a Martian tech priest. Right, right. <laughs> I actually think that he, um, originally though, when like when Jertim was dying, he was trying to talk him into doing something else so that they could live forever, the two of them, to keep doing this. And Jertim was like, "No, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to." But then I was like, well, "Okay, well, yeah." So when he died, I was like, "Well, that's weird," because I'm pretty sure there was a Jertim in the very, very beginning. And then it kind of feels like, "Oh, they're clones." Got it. Was that, like, again, I know that it's kind of... It makes sense. It just, I mean, it just makes sense. sense. I mean, you have trashed, trashed... Although I kept thinking of of Kelth, though. They found a way. True. True. Maybe they were more patient. Maybe they didn't have such a grim outlook. I mean, at that point, Yurton pretty much lost faith in everything. It's also been 10,000 years. It's only been a (laughs) 1,000. 
Right, exactly. They had a little bit more time. The half-life could have passed. But also, maybe they just had a little bit more of a positive outlook and a little more resiliency. I don't know. Also, they were part of the 500 world, so they could port in new people. So if they had issues genetically, mm. it wasn't a big deal. Like Possibly. who? You know what? There could be a thousand and one reasons, and we still haven't. It could. And we haven't picked the one that it is. But that's why right. I... That's, Honestly, when they kept saying, well, the population is booming, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, yes, it does. Have you heard of Calf? I mean, totally, totally makes sense. That's really where, where my mind was going. It wasn't until he talked about the genitors and it's like, oh. When he mentioned the Vitae, the Vitae womb. Yes. I was like, the genitors oh. with the Vitae womb. I was like, oh. Yeah, because even with, even with the genitors, I was like, Oh, 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 a V2. Nothing good comes from anything called that. All I could think about was, um, oh, what were those things called? Shoot, in the third Ultramarines book. The I was actually just thinking that when they showed. Demon Kilaba, the Demon Kilaba. Demon, demon, like, the Demon Kilaba. The Kilaba, Kilaba, something like that. that. Like, easily one of the most repugnant concepts shoved, in all of Warhammer 40K. They shoved Uriel in there. That's all I could think of. When he said Vitae Womb, I was like, "Is did you just put a bow on something really gross? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Uh, maybe that's why it's kind of... Uh, I don't know. Um, is that... Does that bolster or diminish the Krieg's reputation or like how you feel about them? Does it just add to the charm? It makes it sad. It just makes it sadder it for me. It does. And I think that's maybe another reason why that they're so willing to throw their lives away because they're not their own person, right? Yeah. Like, yes, you're not a real person. So it makes it so much easier. And I wonder part of that's like why they went to numbers because I'm not cloning Carrie. I'm cloning subject number 675321. Hmm. Like, that's who I'm cloning. God, don't make it weird. <laughs> Right, and because they die so much, is it like naming farm animals? I don't know. You don't want to get attached. That's why I could never be a rancher. One, I could never eat no. eat the animals when they're no longer useful. Like I have a friend who has chickens, and when they stop laying eggs, they got chicken dinner. I couldn't do that because they'd have names, and they'd live forever, and that's just how it is. They would die old lady chickens. Yes. Like, oh baby, are you done laying eggs? You get to just retire. You can retire. Yeah, here we got this nice little retirement facility for you. You're you you can just kind of hang out and do whatever. Boss the other ones around. It's all good. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Yeah, for sure, right? Mm -hmm. um, <sighs> it, I was really glad that we read this book right now because I feel like again, especially on the heels of reading Steel Tread, like I love this fleshing out of the Imperial yeah. Guard. Yeah, I think it's so much fun, and I'm and glad I got to know more about these guys besides the the memes because you don't really see them mentioned very much in in very many books. You really don't. So this was really exciting, and I, I had I feel good like time it's good because we're cautiously, very cautiously going into our next book. Oh, I'm not excited is, about this at all. Okay, I'm not really either, and it has nothing to. It's nothing against the author. So well, he's a brand new author. Better. I can't hate him. Exactly. So I'm actually pretty excited. It's Adrian Tchaikovsky's. We're reading Tchaikovsky. That's I know, right? Um, Day of Ascension. 
So if you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any time, you know that Carrie and I are not super big on the Gene Stealers as a faction. No. To reading an entire book. Although I am a little, I am a little curious because it takes place on a Factora world. Um, it sounds like the citizens are going to swap the tech witch for the bug devil. <laughs> While the Adeptus Mechanicus enjoy lives of palatial comfort. Hmm. Do they really? Um, like their idea of palatial comforts maybe a little different than yours. Yeah, but, but if they're up there in a palace and everybody else is slaving away down below, you could see how they'd be like, wait a second. could totally see that. Um... Oh. The artwork is phenomenal, though. I do love the three-armed gunmen. They always crack me up. Um, but Nah, it's just creepy. I'm very cautiously optimistic for it because it's a new author. The setting sounds very interesting. And look, I I'm guess always... we got like two factions I don't like. Adeptus Mechanicus and <laughs> Gene Stealers. I'm going to be reading oh, this at gunpoint. I know, but I'm going to be reading this at gunpoint. Mechanicus has me excited. It's big text. I know. Um, it is tiny pages. It's actually it's tiny pages. Not very long and big text. Like, I'm going to get through it quickly, which is good because then it'll be like a quick death. Right. And you might end up liking it. it that um, is always possible. I mean, always possible. And that's why we're pretty excited for it cautiously. Um, I mean, hell. It might, al it might also be the last Gene Stealer book that we read for a while. I like, you know, Chris Rate got me liking Space Wolves. So anything is possible. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to like the Gene Stealers after this, but I might, you know, like the book regardless. Exactly. Exactly. So join us for that book. Um, I'm excited for it. It's brand new. New author, new book. Let's do it. I'm excited. Let's yep. do it. Especially while we got new books coming in, it's kind of fun. Exactly. All right. So I'm taking this out. Take out oh, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and do it without your permission. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Krieg by Steve Lyons. Please sure to join us next time for Day of Ascension by Adrian Tchaikovsky. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay well and read from a crack. I'm still Malfarious. And I still want you to get you some shiny, shiny red because we're just about to read more Mechanicus. <laughs> Get hype. You get hype. I have hype. That's true. You do. You're already hyped. You're hyped I'm for both hyped. of us. It works. All right. I am. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.
episode of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.